Faces come and go and I'm forever grateful Come and tell me long and slow exactly what I wait for Better times, yeah, better times, somehow I don't believe it I built a house up long ago just to up and leave it Here we go. Talk about Rooster Road Trip, episode four of the 14th iteration of Pheasants Forever's annual Rooster Road Trip. This, the Hunting the Heartland, a lot of those there, Hunting the Heartland edition of Rooster Road Trip. Obviously, welcoming back my co-host, Andrew Vavra, the Vice President of Marketing for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, and Chief Brain Wizard. There's a K-Fan term for you, the Chief Brain Wizard. I'll Uh, take it. We're we're sitting next to the chairman here who we'll we'll introduce pretty pretty quickly. (laughs) I've been called a lot worse, so I'll I'll let that one stick. (laughs) New new, uh, nickname earned by Logan today. At uh, at lunch, for um, <laughs> at a Chinese buffet, uh, I guess it wasn't Chinese buffet. Chinese restaurant sat at the end of the table and and are now uh, coined the the nickname chairman. There you have it. So you get to go with it. <laughs> let's uh, let's introduce um, everybody. Uh, Logan, we'll we'll go ahead and start with you. Um, you've been on a number of podcasts. Most recently, um, with Mike Weebin from Dawkins Oak Ridge Kennel. Uh, talking about your new pup track, but tell folks who you are and what you do for the organization, where you're from, if they didn't hear that particular episode. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Logan Hinners, um, been with the organization just over 10 years. I'm the design director. I uh, do a lot of work in our publications and um, just general marketing, graphic design. So, um, yeah, and as you, you kind of alluded to, I have a, a new pup this year, Trek, who's now 11 months old. Um, so this is kind of our first fall in the field together, which has been a lot of fun. Um, it's early yet, but we're we're having a lot of fun. And, um, and we're going to get into that <laughs> on this episode. We're going we're gonna to find out how much fun you're having and, and what have been your sources of pride. Sure. And your sources of frustration, because <laughs> we've all been there yep. before, too. Yep, absolutely. So, um, and you've been you've been on the Rooster Road Trip. How many times do you know the number? Yeah, I was talking to Ben over lunch, and I think this was year 10, if wow. I'm correct. Yeah, it's crazy how they keep adding up. Time's flying. And I've uh, often referred to you as the most talented um, shotgunner, wing shooter, combo photographer at the same time and once again you proved that with the final shot of the day uh carrying a the, camera and a shotgun the catch is i did not have a camera. Well, I, I lost that for the last walk okay well good <laughs> so, for you good for you yeah um and to to my left nate Aiky back on the podcast glad uh, to be welcome here. go lions go lions big go lions what big win last night on monday night football going into the bye <laughs> happy about it. I'm happy about it. It, it. Well, tell folks uh, where you're from yeah, and, so, and what you do for the organization. Yeah, so I'm Nate Akey. I'm the social media strategist for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. Um, I'm from Michigan now. I uh, just recently moved back to Michigan from the West. Uh, other than that, yeah, I run all things social. Do, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the content you see on there uh, comes from the whole group, but I'm the one putting it out, so... That's what I'm up to. So you've been on 
Oh, it's a little over a year now, right? Like 14, 15 months? That sounds about right. I don't know exactly. It's over it was a year. September of 22, right? Yeah, it was, yep. it was right before last year's road trip because that's what we like to do as like a team is just yeah. hire someone, throw them in a pickup <laughs> truck and just see how it shakes out. Which is, that's absolutely not a joke. No, that's, that's, we've we done do that, that every year. Basically. Pretty much three times now, right? <laughs> I think yep. Aaron got uh, baptized by fire on road trip, Nate, and now... Jordan Darley, our new videographer, um, from who he we will have on the podcast because he's a fascinating guy. I've been, I don't know how many miles I've been in a truck with him, but uh, um, he's a super funny guy too. So we'll have him on the podcast. Yeah, before people start to worry, uh, Aaron is still with us. Um, Aaron is our video production coordinator, and we hired on Jordan as the video production specialist because um, we need more firepower when it comes to, to video. Yeah. There's a demand for it. Our audience is growing. You know, the Upland world in general is, is continues to expand, and we got to keep up and keep producing good content and, and keep reaching new audiences. And Jordan is, he, uh, we we hired him, and then he was sent to uh, shoot with you from Minnesota Opener, and then yep. he immediately went to South Dakota for a trip, and then he immediately hopped into the road trip. He moved from Colorado. He's from Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't know where he's going to live yet. So he's basically <laughs> been living out of like a truck for PF for almost a month at this point. How many um, days in was he when you, uh, when you sent him with Bob? Uh, maybe two. Two? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it was two. right away. Yeah, so it's it's kind of what we do here, um, that and come up with really bad nicknames. I, I don't know <laughs> if we have one for Nate yet, but judging by how this trip went, he's like the harvester or something like that. Like, <laughs> we're, like he's, we're working on it. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're, yeah we're, we'll, we'll think on that a bit, but Nate's definitely had the, the hot hand, so I'm very glad that he and his pups are along for the ride. So we're, we'll get into that too. One th- so where I was heading with uh, how long you've been on, um, so you, you've been coordinating all of our social media for a little over a year and our numbers are, have just skyrocketed with yeah. under your, yeah. under your leadership and thought anything stick. Cause last time you were on, we talked about social media and your role and your goals. Yeah. Anything stick out to you that, uh, as a mile marker, you want to highlight or underscore or, or mention for people to think about when they're checking out pheasants forever and quail forever social channels you know I, I i had goals i have goals still you know i'm not exactly a pinpoint one but really was just to get more engagement on our stuff and put better content out you know we before i came in we were we were putting out photos you know a lot of stories but uh, the video stuff that we've been doing has just really gone up quite a bit and mm-hmm. that's uh, you know rooster road trip's going to be part of that and uh, I, I plan to lean into that a little bit more uh, just because I think everyone likes video content. We have the ability with Jordan on, Aaron now, and um, we're just really putting out that, that better visual stuff on our socials. So I think it's worth checking out, and we're going to continue to do that. Yeah, and if you haven't seen the Barbie and uh, Oppenheimer mashup that he put on Threads, you're missing out. So go check out Threads. <laughs> Nobody's on Threads anymore. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, like, it's... <laughs> It is it is wild. We were having some I will fun repeat threats. that. Yeah. Right? So when Barbie and you said Oppenheimer or Oppenheimer yeah. debate, yeah. right? They, they, that movie, those two movies were released the same weekend in uh, July or August, right? It was late latest summer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marijuana is legal in Michigan, right? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> right? Not during work hours. Not during work hours. <laughs> Because the mashup of Oppenheimer, <laughs> Barbie, and Pheasants Forever 
had Andrew and I scratching our head. Oh yeah. Well, I had this. I sent it to you guys first because I'm like, hey, this is a little edgy, but Threads is new. So a we little can, edgy. Just a little edgy. Um, but uh, I think it was fun. You know, how do it you was super how, fun. how do you mix pheasants quail into you know the extreme one side of Barbie and the extreme other side of Oppenheimer? Well, I think I pulled it off. <laughs> Very well. So definitely go check that out. Uh, it was it was a it was a day. Logan throw a flag. <laughs> I got nothing. Just a day working from home where you know maybe I got a little bored with the regular day to day stuff and got a little out of, out there. You, you've done a terrific job, and I do think about you know we we've, we've taken great pride in our writing over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speaking personally too, I. I think we have always had super tr- talented writers, and we put out a we do. lot of good, you know, articles and blogs. But uh, in 2023, people want to see <laughs> Barbie Oppenheimer <laughs> pheasant mashups. It's a different, vid- right? Our uh, video, our video statistics are up a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, we're doing. I mean, it, it part of that is we're just putting out more. But I mean, like I said, a lot of people mm-hmm. like video, and we're finding ways to take that writing that we do very well, uh, and you know, add some video components mm-hmm. to that, and be able to show that to get people to read uh, the different different articles that we're putting out. And I think that's that's really well received. For folks coming in, you know, if they're listening to episode four of Rooster Road Trip, they probably know what Ro- Rooster Road Trip uh, is. It's all public land. It's all, you know, done for our social audience. But did you ever envision where Andrew, where Rooster Road Trip would be, it, the signature online effort of this organization, fourteen years in? No, and I don't think it will be forever. Um, I think it was just a good catalyst for us to get permission to try something new mm-hmm. um to explore ways to engage with new audiences and use the the new abilities that exist within the world whether it's new camera tech or new talents that people have i mean when we first started me strapping a gopro on the back of you know my yellow lab bow like with the jerry-rigged like astro vest which we <laughs> cut a hole through to stick the camera through to, mm-hmm. just to see her get a retrieve mm-hmm. and bring that back and then give people seizures because of the, like the shakiness that went crazy because people are like holy cow there's upland video mm-hmm. on on the internet wow mm-hmm. so i mean we're just progressing with the times and you now thanks to nate we're trying to get ahead of it too yeah um so, something will replace our rt Hopefully not soon, but we're not done trying. Uh, and I think that just gives us permission to go for it. Because our first year, we didn't really have sponsors. We it was People were like, why are you spending our membership dollars to do this? And now it's also a huge generator of revenue, um, unrestricted revenue from sponsors. It's uh, a good spur for uh, memberships. Uh, it's a great way to... Uh, engage with chapter audiences and chapter volunteers and to get people thinking about maybe I want to go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all started with us just being like, let's just go for it and see what happens. Yeah. So I'm not saying like the Barbie mashup is like something we're just going to keep going down, but <laughs> it's okay to take some risks. It's yeah. okay to fail. Um, and every once in a while you, you succeed, you find something that resonates and, and you go for it. I remember very vividly sleeping in a basement of a, Kansas chapter volunteer in Norton, Kansas, which we were not, we were so lean on how much money we were spending on this entire trip, right? We were staying with volunteers, staying in 
an absolute flea bag motel in North Dakota that I remember. I mean, they're fleas. It was terrible. <laughs> but I remember sleeping in this um, this very first rooster road trip, Norton, Kansas. Tremendous family. We went to the banquet that night, then stayed in their basement. And I remember going through and reading the Facebook comments of because we were at that point posting live, like almost live. We'd we'd be out hunting. We'd post a photo of a dog or a, a rooster. And there were people just absolutely blasting us for wasting their membership dollars on a personal hunt for employees. And I I didn't sleep at all. And I'm like, you have no idea what we're trying to do here. And now, you know, I'm going to sometimes save this for the end, but I'm going to thank nine financially paying sponsors that pay money to be a part of Rooster Road Trip, generate unrestricted revenue for the organization to do our Habitat mission and see the vision that um, was put in place with Rooster Road Trip. So sincerest of thank you, thank yous to Browning for supplying the shotguns and apparel, Federal Ammunition for supplying the ammunition, Rufflin Kennels where our dogs are staying safe, Apple Autos, who's been the provider of the Rooster Road Trip truck for a number of years, Soundgear Hearing Protection, Garmin, um, got all of our watches, we're monitoring steps um, throughout this entire trip and taking care of our dogs with e-collars, Yeti Coolers, where we've got uh, uh, roosters and quail on ice, Irish Center Boots, the official boot of Rooster Road Trip, and Leupold Optics. Nine sponsors generating revenue for the organization. Thank you for believing in this concept. Thank you for believing in the organization's mission. And thank you for um, helping us engage our online audience because the idea is to prove that there are birds out there on public lands where you can find good habitat and you're willing to take an adventure and we have 100% proved that this year. Hopefully, uh, folks, go to roosterroadtrip.org, check out the videos, check out the photo galleries, check out the audio. We can't ever guarantee as much pheasant hunting successes this year, but gosh darn it, it was there. <laughs> and part of it was um, any, any people, anyone that's been on a road trip bird hunt, it comes back to the dogs. It doesn't matter how good a shot you are, Top Gun, Nate. <laughs> Nate earns the Top Gun. It does matter a bit how good a shot you are, but you keep getting opportunities if you have good bird dogs. Right. And um, a huge shout-out. There will be a photo gallery of all of our dogs. They're the true stars of the show in the immortal words. <laughs> Ron Shera has always said on uh, uh, the flush in Minnesota Bound. But let's talk dogs for a minute. Uh, let's start with Logan and Trek. Um, so it, we should say um, condolences on Aspen's passing. Thank you. Aspen was uh, along for many, many road trips, Yellow Lab, terrific bird finding machine, and uh, um, has been a star <laughs> of this effort for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, passed away suddenly uh, within the last year. And the good news in that is um, 
a puppy heals a lot of wounds. It did. Yep. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I could tell that track has brought smiles and laughter to your home yep. and to the field. So tell us a little bit about Trek's progress. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it, he's, he's been a lot of fun. Um, as any new puppy owner knows, you know, it's a, a ton of work, but it's all the effort that goes into it is, is a lot of fun too. Um, and I've, I've just been trying to embrace that journey, I guess. And, um, yeah, we, so we started out, um, brought him home New Year's, I believe it was, um, that we brought him home and um, kind of started that journey. Uh, I think it was about five months. Um, I sent him to Dawkins with Mike Wieben, and we had a podcast with Mike about that. And I did a bird and gun intro with Mike and Trek, um, and that, that proved, I think, to be very valuable in our progression. Um, I got back a dog that was was super birdy. Uh, they brought out just a ton of prey drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I definitely seen that, um, initially here when we started hunting this fall. So yeah. that, that was cool. I, I definitely had to do some retroactive work, um, to, ca- to try reining them in a little bit. Um, that, that's probably been my biggest challenge with him in where we're at right now is just keeping him like, cause you've went on a couple of sprints. I have, yeah. You know, he's uh, <laughs> right, which is, I mean, out of a young l- retriever, that you know, making sure that that pup's birdie, and yep. obviously, Trek's been finding birds, and you just have had to keep up a little. Right, bit. right. So that, yeah, that's that's probably where the biggest challenges come. I guess the the upside in that is he's he's finding birds, he's picking up scent. Um, I've definitely seen on this trip, he's he's taken some steps and actually trailing running birds um you know we've only had five hunts under our belt before we came on the road trip those five hunts were basically minnesota pheasant hunting yeah season opening on your weekend own, right? yep just a couple outings that first and second weekend i guess it would so have been. he i mean he's as rookie as they come really absolutely yep yep, yep. so you know initially he was you know he, you could tell he was getting birdie he'd hit the scent and he was almost like he would give up on it, and he'd look at me like, "Hey, there should be a bird here. Where is mm-hmm. it?" And it's like, "No, you got to keep, you got to keep going, keep on that trail." Mm-hmm. And I've really seen that click on this trip, which has been a lot of fun. The downside is I just need to keep up with him, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did pretty good. I've been super impressed. Um, speaking of super impressed, I've been impressed with your pups, Nate. Um, tell us about each of them. Yeah, uh, well, thank you. First off, they've they've really kind of showed up this trip. Um, but so Tika, uh, she's she's actually my first pointing dog. She's GSP, um, and uh, she's about seven and a half now, and you know, kind of right on the edge of her prime. And so uh, about a year ago, a little over a year and a half ago, um, you know, I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna have a litter with Tika, and uh, we put that litter on the ground, and we in in the you know for the idea of keeping a pup, which ended up being Maisie. And she's the one we have now. She's uh, a year and a half. And um, we we went through last season and we did uh, we did a lot of hunting actually at a pretty young age. Uh, I ran her from four months uh, till the end of the season, four mm. months old till the end of the season. And she got into birds on a regular basis, very birdie, putting it together and, and really just showed me that she's got a lot of potential in that first very young year and then uh you know this last summer we trained uh for just just the navda ut or for the navda na test for her and tika for the ut again trying to requalify. ut means what utility test uh for 
we I wanted to requalify Tika for the Invitational because we went a couple years back and and uh, missed it by a couple couple retrieves really. Um, yeah. And sure enough, in the UT test, she she kind of burnt me on a retrieve this year too. Mm-hmm. So we ended up with a prize too on that. But uh, but Maisie, uh, true to form, she she excelled and in, in the NA test and uh, got a perfect score, prize one. Wow. And um, you know. That was that was kind of in preparation for this hunting season and this being kind of that breakout year where we really we really you know hold her to what we've trained and not just a free for all anymore and you need to you need to do the things that you're supposed to do as a bird dog and she has done that with some grouse hunting we went to Montana earlier this year as well and on uh, some sage grouse and sharptail she showed some promise and in real real good points but to be honest this trip. I, I'm really, I'm really calling it her, you know, this is going to be in my memory bank is that, that time that she went from bird dog to bird machine. Mm. She's been very birdie. She's pointed well. She's worked well with this, with this group, kind of this large group mm-hmm. that we have that is not an easy thing for any, any dog. It doesn't right. matter experience uh, to really work with. And she's, she's stayed home. She's found birds and we've been able to uh, get a number of birds over points of her. And then, you know, Tika's done her thing, but in all honesty, it surprised me so far this trip. She's um, she's had a harder time with the bigger group. My older Tika dog, has. Tika, has. Yeah, uh, she wants to run the line and hunt mm-hmm. with everybody, and and it's been harder to kind of keep her home and say, hey, you're hunting with me. Let them hunt there. And uh, she still found birds, and and we've shot birds over her points this trip too. But you know, Maisie's kind of been the the one I'm choosing to get out of the box as this as Ooh. this trip's progressed, and and that makes me excited. At, at a year and a half, I I have expectations, but not as high as she's showing right now, and I'm I'm really excited to see That's what uh, what she's going to turn into from here on out. Tika and Maisie, tell yeah. us where those names come from. Man, Tika was, uh, I was working at Cabela's selling guns at the gun counter back in grad school when I initially got her looking for you know that that two syllable uh that two syllable name just so it doesn't interrupt any of the the training calls and things like that and i'm looking at some of the rifles been interested in some of those guns and i was like i could make a good bird dog name so there was uh it was kind of i hadn't heard another one at the time uh ended up meeting a friend at uh at her na test way back when uh, that had a Tika as well. So Ooh. I was like, okay, maybe it's catching on. But uh, <laughs> uh, Maisie was, that, that was my wife's choice. We were throwing around all types of names. Um, you know, what I like to do is when when my, my wife would give me a name that she liked, I'd like to yell it just to like, does that, because I know I'm going to be yelling this a lot. Does that sound good? Am I going to, you know, does it sound silly or can I yell that with a stern voice? And uh, it would sound all right. And, um, you know, we've nicknamed her, nicknamed her Crazy Maisie because she's crazy she's wiggle butt she's always moving she's jumping on you all that sort of thing but she's she's super birdie and you know the name just came from my wife and it, it stuck so we went with it trek any story behind the name trek yeah a little bit maybe um so we you know we were thinking about how do we kind of honor aspen and kind of the lifestyle we live and i don't know we, we thought about names like journey and adventure and all these types of things trying to relate it to that um so we kind of landed on track, short abbreviation of gotcha. that. So um, that's kind of where that, that ended up. I, I always love dog names that have a bit of a story to it that just adds richness to the to the dog's history, I, I think. Baxter, I mean, you know, how can you not think of a dog with a bow tie and 
uh, or NASCAR. Well, it's it's gentleman Baxter for sure. Um, he did eat a whole wheel of cheese. Um, <laughs> did that... he eat a whole wheel of cheese last night? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. A- Anchorman <laughs> reference. Um, but, <laughs> That's right. Uh, so ba- Baxter was adopted. So I, do- I adopted yep. the dog named Baxter. Um, his owner passed away, and the widow just uh, realized she couldn't handle him, nor could she give him the life he deserved. So uh, the world's greatest Muppet is uh, <laughs> is mine, and, and I love him for it. And Baxter is the, it per- is perfect, is the perfect name <laughs> for yeah. that dog. <laughs> speaking of dogs, um, you know, Bo, who is, uh, as we mentioned, I think in episode one, uh, the OG mm-hmm. of uh, Rooster Road Trip Bird Dogs, um, like Aspen passed away this year. So Yeah, her first wild bird retrieve was on the first Rooster Road Trip. Was that so on the 25th month, anniversary? Old, on the 25th anniversary WMA. property outside of Madison, Minnesota. I'll hotspot that one all day. It's worth checking <laughs> out. Um, no, yeah, so that property, that moment, it was a, a double bird flush and, and knocked down both of them. And that it's one of those moments that's forever etched in my I mind. Remember I remember. I will never. The golden hour. Yep, I will never forget that. It was just <clears> like the, the perfect way for for me to be like, I'm, I am an upland hunter. Mm-hmm. Super cool memory. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that. Vivid. I was on your, well, it, like I was on a hill looking sort of down. I, I was off to your right side. And we've been on a few of these. A, a lot of those. <laughs> I mean, I think she made it 10 or 11 in the year, or 10 or 11 in a row before she kind of aged out. And, man, was she pissed when I left her at home. But <laughs> that's they, they all get like that. Everybody can relate to that. Um, we're going to get into the um, – the play-by-play of today, or at least a recap of today. I do want to ask Nate a couple other questions. Um, first of all, you know, I, I teased you're the top gun. Yeah. You, you've had a good, a very successful trip here. Um, what do you attribute to that to? What do you, I, you know, I have my opinion. Well, my opinion my well, go ahead. I want to hear yours first. Your dogs were on fire the entire time putting you in front of her. They were. I think I think a little bit of luck, right? I mean, there's always that. I happen to be in the spot with my dogs where birds are. So, But part of that is they got to find them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've given me opportunities to get up close and, and get flushes and, and be able to, you know, get clean shots at birds and not just passes and we're pushing birds and trying to take long shots. We've Surprisingly, with the group we've had, I feel like this trip, we've, we've probably 50% of the birds we've shot have been over points, which is – just wild given the scenario we're in um so yeah i think i think a little bit of luck just being in the right spots with the dogs but they've definitely given me some opportunities that i otherwise wouldn't have without them being kind of on their game 50 percent of the shots over points i would I, I in my memory bank and this might just be my own dogs I was getting a lot of points in minnesota and iowa and i'm getting i was getting less points in Nebraska, and I attribute that to the dryness here compared to hunting in the rain and in the snow. What do you think? Yeah, and although def- you've had more points in Nebraska than I have. Yeah, and I it's been about the same, you know, all all trip for me with my dogs. And I I mean, you might be right, especially with with that uh, with the dryness here and having a little little moisture in the air. It's definitely better for the dogs to have a little bit moisture in the on the ground in the grass for that scenting, but. You know, I, I honestly, the, the dogs have been pointing here as well, but part of that is, you know, I have noticed like even today, a lot of the points that I was having on birds were closer. 
Mm. Um, so when we were in Minnesota and when we were in Iowa, I was getting points and we were putting those birds up, you know, maybe 15 yards out from where that point was, as opposed to almost right on top of them. Mm-hmm. So that could have a lot to do with it, that moisture, like you're talking about. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, <clears throat> and I've been thinking about this the entire trip, we've hunted three states yeah. that you've never hunted before. And I, I don't think that's true of anybody else on this trip. You, you've never, you're from Michigan, you've lived out west, yeah. but you've never hunted in Minnesota. You've nope. never hunted in Iowa. No. Nope. You never hunted in Nebraska. No, first time. And you're the top gun, so you've had success. Yeah. Uh, give us some comparison, contrast, uh, uh, impressions. Like uh, starting with Minnesota, what what do you what do you think going in? What do you think coming out? How'd it play for you? Yeah. So Minnesota to me, uh, it's always been a just a not even going to go there. Uh, it, to me, Minnesota, I'm looking at places out west. I'm looking at places, uh, you know, the Dakotas, thinking of that when I'm thinking of pheasants. And, and Minnesota's just not really on that list for me, and it never really has occurred to me that it'd be a good spot to go to be real successful. Not that there isn't birds there, but, man, there's probably other states that I can be, you know, more successful in. Mm-hmm. Um, but after hunting, you know, in that first day and – you know, we put up birds all day. And I think part of that is the habitat we were in. I mean, this is public land, but the habitat work that's done in Minnesota, from what I can tell, is really for the pheasants. I mean, there there's a lot of work being done there so that the habitat that's on the ground is is great habitat to produce birds. And it showed. We, we knocked a lot of birds down. We put a lot of birds up. And I, I don't know. It, it might not be a write-off anymore. Yeah. I asked a similar question when, when we did the um, state-by-state hunting forecast. I asked Tanner Bruce, our state coordinator in Minnesota, like, why is Minnesota such a flyover state when it comes to non-resident pheasant hunters? He's like, well, because everybody in Michigan and Illinois and Wisconsin is just it's that much closer to getting to South Dakota or North Dakota that they – let's just go to the pheasant capital and they just skip right over Minnesota. And it's like, that's okay by me, you know, yeah. but it is, it's super underrated. I think. Yeah. I would agree with that. Iowa impressions. Iowa, the first day, uh, you know, again, we got into a, a great place. There was a lot, it, it seemed to me that there was a bit more water, but it, obviously that's just location where we were. We were we were hunting some of those waterfowl production areas, um, so there was there's a bit more variation in that spot specifically. So this is kind of anecdotal, but a ton of birds there once again. Um, a bit more habitat, you know. It seemed to be managed for that. Iowa is a is a pheasant uh, pheasant destination, as we could tell from everywhere we went. We're fighting people. It's opening day. I mean, people were, they're birdie. They want to get out and do it. So to see that many birds and knowing there's that much pressure, um, I mean, they're producing some, a lot of, a lot of good bird numbers there as well. So, yeah. Third state, Nebraska, your impressions. Nebraska is the best of all three. Well, that, my, you, yeah. you already answered my question. Yeah. Which, so yeah. Nebraska is the one you'd come back to. Uh, Nebraska is the one I'd put, I'd, I'd put a, put a pin in. Yeah. I would go back. I would come back and uh, you know, there's variation here. You're getting to that point where, you know, I were able to hunt pheasants and there's plenty of numbers. I mean, today we'll get to it obviously, but we just, we put up birds everywhere. Um, and then, and then you get this mixture, right? You have this opportunity. There might be some bobwhite in there. So, you know, look alive. And then 
today, you know, some, some prairie chicken mixed in. So you really get on the edge where you're getting into a mixed bag scenario. There's a lot of birds and, and there's plenty of places to hunt. And then I think, you know, there's a lot, a lot of crops around here. And when those are off, you can really find these, these cubbies of birds that they're piling into here and make it a, make it a not so long run and really have great opportunities. Yeah. Logan, you know, I know, I'm a, I guess I'm assuming the first time you came to Nebraska was on a rooster road trip. That would be correct, yep. How many more times have you come to Nebraska um, with your free time to go chase? Yeah. I've been I've been coming down, I think it's been five years now. Yeah. Um, just on my own time. In her, in her, the last couple of year, I haven't, well, I didn't have a dog last year, so I didn't come. And the year prior to that, it was day one. I stepped in a badger hole and blew my ankle out, so that mm-hmm. ended that hunt. But <laughs> aside from those two years, I had you know, a few years here. Um, that was just a lot of fun yeah. um, that we've been coming down here. I, as we were heading into Nebraska and my driving across the state line, I was like, Nebraska never disappoints. Never. It's, <laughs> it's a pretty birdie spot. Um, well, all year long too. I mean, you can work your way through Nebraska and like different points of the year and get into totally different stuff. So it keeps you coming back. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, the Sandhills, which is like one of my favorite landscapes. Mm-hmm. So get there early season, chase around Sharpies, chickens, all that. Now we're here basically on the tail end of the opener right away. And then you have people like Logan that specifically wait until January because their seasons open so much later compared to <laughs> some other States. And it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be done shoveling snow at home. I'm going to go hunt in a, in a hoodie and chase ringnecks down in the month of January. So it just yeah. keeps you coming back, and that mixed game factor is phenomenal. Um, South Dakota is the capital. Like, I'm not dogging on South Dakota, but Nate and I were, were talking the other night, and it's like, you know, Nebraska is, like, kind of like the hardcore connoisseurs, like, upland hunter state. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand why people in Omaha, like, aren't as birdie, for lack of a better term. Like, it just seems like if you lived in this state, you should be obsessed with upland hunting. Like, it's almost like they don't understand what they have or they have so much of it, it doesn't feel as crowded out. Um, and it could be a combination of that because Minnesota is one of our strongest states in terms of an organization, in terms of conservation ethic at large. You talk to any any uh, NGO in the conservation world, and Minnesota always is the cream of the crop. People get it, people use it, people want to do it. And that's why the habitat is so good. Like what Nate was talking about, a lot of that has to do with the legacy amendment and mm-hmm. our chapter's ability to utilize that and our chapter's ability to utilize our mission to like improve habitat and create more places for people to hunt. But it, there's a huge metro area with a huge army of upland hunters, and we know that because of our membership numbers. Mm-hmm. So it feels a little pinched here and there. I don't know. You kind of go to Nebraska, and it's like, other than, you know, that one WPA that we referenced, referenced mm-hmm. last um, episode. episode, and maybe that's where they all are and why it feels this way, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of like you, you feel like you kind of got it yourself here and there. Yeah, we're, I guess, day four of the season, and outside of the one WPA, everything else we've gone to, we've had entirely to ourselves. Yeah, yeah I know. For, for today's hunt, like, we allowed ourselves to sleep in until 645 because we were so confident, like, no, it's we'll 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 have this to ourselves. Yeah. Like it's it's okay. We can be there right at opening bell and and not have to sit in our truck for an hour hoping hoping that when we when the sun touches the grass there is grass that it's actually touching. You know, um, so yeah. So t- I mean, it was perfect transition. Take us through, get us into the first field today. So um, we uh, we're not all geniuses here. 
Um, but <laughs> but we did learn from from what we saw yesterday. Mm. We we kind of uh, figured out the ingredients the, that made the right dish in terms of what was producing birds, and so that was smaller pieces of OFW properties. Um, and again, that's open fields and waters. There's over 381,000 acres of private land that's publicly accessible, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so we keyed in on smaller OFW properties that were surrounded by eggs because they're the sanctuaries. And if there's birds around, you don't have to really think too hard about, well, where would they be? Mm-hmm. It's they're all going to be there. Or there's no birds here. Like it's, it's, it's really that, that simple. And keying in on smaller pieces in kind of the middle of nowhere you're you're going to get away from other people which is a risky maneuver and usually i do the exact opposite because if this doesn't work out i want to be able to hit another place quickly mm-hmm. well we kind of just flip the script it's like no let's let's continue like just kind of headhunting these little islands of of ofw um and the, the first field was a, a portion of a 1600 acre property so only a, a part of that property was enrolled in, in OFW. And it was completely surrounded either by, it was either cut off by a road, which had corn across it, or it had corn next to it, or it had maybe like alfalfa or like hay on the other side. Mm-hmm. So again, it was like this little landlocked chunk of, of habitat. Yeah. Um, and so with the, the sun rising and we decided to put that at our back and walk into the wind, um, there's a lot of topography and we just kind of roll, rolled down to it. And at the bottom of that, there's a quintessential old, you know, windmill and farming implements mm-hmm. and beautiful grass and a, a little draw that's snaking through. And it's like, this, this is upland, man. Mm. Like this, it just feels good because, which was awesome because I couldn't feel my fingers. So <laughs> it was, cool. it was, it was it, the feels like was nine degrees when we stepped out of that truck. Like it's. I'm a Minnesota boy through and through, but it's like, I ain't used to this yet. Come on now. The forecast was cold, sunny, but a chance of being very birdie. Yeah, it, it was It was very, very birdie. And, um, I mean, we'll, we'll cut to that the first moment where, like, we're able to exhale in terms of, okay, I think this this might work. Um, so we had the, the pointers. So we're, we're walking it clockwise, heading due west. We had the pointers on, on the right to the north, and we had the flushers to, to the left to the south. And, and Logan was part of that, that southern brigade, brigade with, you know, the, the labs. And as we kind of pivoted on the far side and went up, um, it got a little western. It got wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wasn't in the thick of it, and Logan claims I only saw, like, part of it. So I'll let him kind of break down, like, what he actually stepped into there. Yeah, sure. And I, I will say, you know, when we, we started at this property, when it was shaped the si- like the same shape as our logo, I had a, had a good feeling. Um, <laughs> good catch, good catch. But uh, no, it, it got pretty crazy, that first kind of pivot we did up on that far west edge. Um, Erica was running Oak. I had Trek. Um, There's a few other dogs mixed in there, too. But you could, you could just tell they were just on fire. I mean, that birdie as birdie can get. Um, and I, w- I was very proud of of all the dogs being able to keep them in at that point just knowing how many birds ended up flushing um it, it was chaos i mean we hit this patch and there it was an explosion of birds I mean, we had birds going out every direction i mean they just kept coming just in waves i mean they were going out straight mm-hmm. out the west which were birds you guys probably couldn't see from lower your vantage point yeah. but i bet there was 
20 birds that pushed straight west that maybe you guys didn't even see. Yeah. There's a whole wave of birds that went, you know, more north, east, north yeah. and east on that draw. Yeah. But all together, I, I don't think it's in exaggeration to say there was 30, 40 birds in there that all flushed out of that one pocket. And those were pocket. all pheasants. Apparently there was some. Now, I don't think that, because we did see some prairie chicken, but I don't think those happened until that next hill. Okay. Yeah, I was so gonna say, that I didn't first see club. them there. Yeah. yeah. That but first hill was all pheasants. All pheasants and a ton of hens. I think out of all those, there was, I only saw two roosters. Ooh. I was yeah. standing in the middle, kind of like closer to, to you, Bob. But I remember like looking at them and saying out loud, why isn't anyone shooting? <laughs> like I was, just, I was just like beside myself, like what? You're the right. What is going on? Because I couldn't make out exactly like what was a hen versus what was a rooster. In my mind, it's like there's no way you just put up 50 hens. Like, give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and it I was, was a ton of hens. Like you mentioned, there was a lot of topography. In other words, rolling hills. I was on the um, <laughs> the slope end of those rolling hills, and I could tell that there was excitement. I heard rooster. I heard birds flushing and a couple of roosters cackling. But I didn't see anywhere near that number of birds. I just saw some. Um, so it's interesting that there were that many in the air. Yeah, it was. I just, it was. I, I haven't seen anything like that in a long time, and mm. I, I almost just it froze me. Right, like I was just like caught in awe. I mean, it was it was dang cool. Wow. So. Okay, keep walking. Okay, so yeah, this big flush happens. Um, you know, everybody's trying to collect. There was a couple of shots fired um, at one of the roosters that broke east. Um, so, you know, things calmed down a little bit again. We kind of head our way north, um, down lower into that ditch up again to the next rise and kind of the same sort of thing happens. Maybe not quite as many birds, but another big flush of birds. And there was birds. I had switched locations with Erica. So I took the, the westerly edge and I could see birds just beelining down that edge in front of us running north um, and there's birds flying east it, it was it was cool hmm. it was absolutely cool is it the most birds you've seen on the road trip yeah, yeah more than so. that north dakota plots land yeah in one spot i think wow. yeah yeah it was that's impressive it, it was it was like a late season impressive. cattail blow up it's like that, that, late season that, that it yeah. was it was goofy to have that happen you know two days after you know their opening weekend yeah. We didn't do a very good job of hitting any of the roosters on that end, but there was a lot of birds. So how many birds were taken during that? Just the one. Just the one I I shot. And you were more down. Just down a little ways from the big bus that went up top, and then there was some stragglers as you kind of made your way down the hill that as we were walking, we were putting up, and that one kind of got up by my feet. And it took two shots, but got that one down and then the retrieve now one of them though that shot down wasn't that your first so one, I Bob? Think, yeah i think that was probably right after the second hill i was i was so this rooster got shot at a couple times and then it's flying down the hill um and a lot of times they fly out in front of you you know and this one I think this was the smart one because it's really hard if you think about it when roosters, you know, up in the atmosphere, but right over the top of your head. And I was was talking with Lexi about this because she was standing next to me and she took a couple of pokes and she's like, you even shoot at it when it was coming at us. And like, I knew I wasn't going (laughs) to hit it because I have a really hard time gauging how to lead a bird when it's coming at you. Um, it's tough. It, 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 so what I did was like 
get my barrel on it as it's going over and then I did the pirouette and then let it as it was going away and it, it just when I shoot skeet you know that high house that's what I do I, I just I know I can't hit it <laughs> you know I'm not going to hit the slider and I'm not going to hit the, the hybrid when it's coming at me so I pirouetted and let it and took one shot and it was like boom, stone dead I was really happy with with that shot. Yeah. I mean, it was like, boom, laying there for Gitchy to come bring back to me. Yeah, Um, and the mess of all that, I didn't – until we circled back and got, you know, connected with you, I had no idea you got a bird. I mean, we were – kind of everyone was shooting at that. We had no idea you had one. Yeah, Lexi was like, holy cow, that was awesome. So it was pretty – Pretty neat. He's like, how do you do that? I'm like, I'm not real sure. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened. Just, happened. just don't think and just let, let yeah. it happen. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so during that chaos is also was our introduction to the next, our first uh, chicken sighting. Mm. Because I had what I thought was a hen like rip in front of me. But then I thought I heard it like, was it cackling? Is that like a young rooster? Chuckle. And then it's like, no, 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 no. It's laughing at us. <laughs> it, that is a chicken, which... Then makes you think about like all these flushes everywhere, and now you're like almost on edge because like mm-hmm. then you're hyper focused on every single bird instead of like just the quick like hand and like moving on. It's like Wah. so that added like a lot of uh, excitement for the rest of the walk as mm-hmm. well because like really anything brown needed to be like looked at. Right, right. right. Yep. You're staring it down, hoping that it's a chicken. Yeah, and they yeah. that covey of chickens kept on getting up in front of us too. They yeah. were super scared. Really? Oh yeah, they were, they were super scared. Normally, when chickens they, they were flush, they're gone. Yeah, there, like there was some the next, on, like, the far yeah. end. Like, they just kept on just kind of, like, they were gliding a little bit, and then they tucked back down. But, huh. again, this is, like, a, a little island of yeah, habitat. Like, where it's all gonna, there was. Where yeah. Go? You know, but normally chickens and Sharpies, when they flush, if you don't get them. They're in the next county. Gone. gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for for sure. But, no, it was, huh. it was bizarre. Not that we ever got close enough, so clearly they know what's up. Yeah. Right. Huh. right. And that, that was kind of the problem, like, with that many birds concentrated in that spot, like, you know once a couple got up it's just like waves of birds would just go and we just weren't able to like get close enough to them they would just keep going and once a few went a bunch more would go Mm -hmm. um you kind of saw that all the way down the line um so that was the struggle on on my vantage point from the very western edge Mm -hmm. yeah and that's kind of what ben was saying he's like you could walk circles around this property all day and just continue to just pick one Mm -hmm. off here and there and they're just going to keep circling around right in front of you it's it was almost like the upland gods were dangling a carrot in front of us just kind of like barely out of out of touch but you see it and you want to keep going that direction um but yeah it was it was a tough one so i think the last bird on that field was ben's right because it I don't. Did you get another one on that field? I did. I did. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, I got my second, but I don't know when. When was when did Ben so shoot his? Ben and I went on a walkabout. It got a little western there for a minute. We got a little discombobulated. Okay, so tell me about yours. Your next. Okay, year. well, at, we we had circled around. We'd still put up birds, and we were kind of coming back to the edge of the road that we came in on, and then going to turn back to the the vehicles. Um, and we had pushed that all the way. We actually put up a rooster. I think it was right in front of Erica, and she took a couple cracks at it. And then not far from that, uh, we're walking down, and one got up, and we had the trucks right in front of us. And then uh, I think you and, uh, let's see, you and Lexi had moved off and went over to the truck. So you guys were basically at the truck. And we're moving down, and that bird gets up, and I, I shot it. 
out in front off to my left and it goes down and it's kind of in front of logan and erica and i'm like oh sorry guys i i kind of poached yeah. that but logan's I'm like, like i'm glad you took that shot i had no shot i had just vehicles that's all i could see yeah so really at the end i was the only one who had a shot in a gap there and and knocked it down but that was that was another just uh we were walking and pushed it up it wasn't a dog point or anything like that we just happened to happen to have moved it that way and it, it held tight enough for us to walk up on it similar uh so bed and i slipped down to the bottom of this ravine which was planted with sorghum was there it was, there was some sorghum um along the drainage so we just ben was on one side i was on the other and gitchy and annie um between moving through and wild flushing rooster in front bank to the right um Ben, just pretty good distance. Ben made a nice shot. Could see that it was wobbling as it crested the horizon of this hill. And you could tell that that bird wasn't going to go very far, but we immediately lost sight of it. So he and I both had a good line sort of triangulated based on where I was and where he was. We got together and went straight towards that and brought Gitchy and Annie in, and Gitch caught scent of, um, got her into the wind, ran down, and again we have no idea how far this bird flew, but that that, that dog made me proud again because she caught scent of the bird, and you know, hundred yards out went out and found that bird that we didn't really even have eyeballs on, brought it right back. Yeah. I was like hell yeah, the so that was a a fun one that. You know, didn't point, but an excellent retrieve, and it just—it's yeah. just so, um, so much a part of this to have the dogs. It's a huge as your part. Partner, as you know, you think about how many birds you drop stone dead, and yeah, the high bird I would have been able to find without a dog, but it's like five percent of the birds. You know, it's such a small number. Yeah, the dogs, I mean, they saved us many times this trip, not just today, but, I mean, we there was a lot of birds that you can mark all you want, but they, they fall in that thick stuff and how cryptic they are. You'd be searching forever for those. And, and meanwhile, we have dogs, and as soon as they go down, the dog's got it in its mouth and retrieving it back to your hands. So yeah, it's awesome. It is. Um, second field. Tell us about that, Andrew. Similar thing. Like if, if uh, it's not broken, don't don't fix it. So we found another OFW property that was surrounded by, by egg. And the fun part about this one is similarly to the hunt, how we ended the day before, it, all you could see from the road was, was cut corn. And the cut corn, again, was also enrolled in OFW, OFW but you had to walk across it to even see anything. Um, so I think Ben in the last episode used the term infinity pool. Mm-hmm. Like it, it had that effect because with like the rolling hills, you just saw the corn and nothing, nothing else. It just like the world just kind of dropped off after that. Um, so we, we walked across the corn, which is probably one of my least favorite walks of, of the trip. I mean, walking against like, uh, like perpendicular to like cut corn is just, <laughs> sometimes i question why i enjoy field hunting for ducks but anyway so we made it across that and it was the same thing there was a rooster there too in the cut corn as as nobody out. had he, yes and, and, the, and, the, and the mother to be reminded us in a way that a mother should she's like do you, do you not learn she's, she's like nobody up there had a shell a shell in their gun like come on because the same thing happened the day before 
Um, so Erica called us out there, which, which is, is part. I mean, the cut cornfield is part of the open fields and waters. Yep. You know, we, we, we should have, we should have been ready. I got, that was it. well within range for me. Like oh, yeah. I, I should have had a shot on that, but I was just not paying attention and just trying to make it to the good stuff. But by then it's almost midday and you know, the sun's out. Yeah. I could imagine a few roosters be in the mm-hmm. middle of some cut corn. Like it all adds up. It's just sometimes you don't think it right. all the way through. You're right. just trying to race to what you want. And you ignore the signs in front of you. Um, so the, the second property is a smaller one is probably, I'd say what, 300 ish acres sure. or so, um, walk that one, you know, counterclockwise. And so this time we, we stuck the, the pointers on the edge to keep you knuckleheads contained. And I let Logan and, and the flushers, uh, you know, ride more of the middle and kind of serve as like the pivot as, as we kind of worked our way through. And, um, we walked along the first side that had cut corn on it. And then we took a sharp left. And I think that's when Ben got into the first rooster. It was, it, we hadn't even made a turn. Yet. Oh, we no. haven't even turned no. yet. Okay. It so was, I, I thought maybe we were. Was that off a, a point too? I don't or, It was birdie dogs for sure. Yeah. They were birdie down that line and it got up not far from the edge. Uh, I didn't have that great a look at it. I don't, I don't remember. I think you were a little bit closer to it. Than yeah. I was. Ben, Ben had a nice shot straight away. Yep. And it knocked it down right before we got to the end of that field and made the turn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the first rooster and it was 50, that, 60. Not far in. into the good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So when we made that turn, what was on the other side? Like what was that field in terms of the egg? Um, it was green. It wasn't, so there was pick corn that we had to walk through, but then I don't know if it was alfalfa or it was winter wheat or something. I think it was some sort of winter wheat or or winter cover crop. Yeah. Yeah. And then were you seeing action kind of like the whole way going down that or like, no, there was a, an occasion, occasional hen would sneak out the back. So I eventually got out of the cover and walked the field edge. And then of course, Nothing was <laughs> flushing after I went out there, but probably kept him in the field that way too. So yeah, we, we started going further west, and then I think Nate, you kicked up a bird that you took a shot at. Uh, I that I didn't. Ben. That was Ben again. Was that yeah, ben? that was yeah. Ben again. And he, he his first shot, a couple of feathers fell off that thing. It didn't look too hard, but some feathers came off, and then it kind of went over that hill, just like you were saying on that other one. And as it went over the hill. It looked like it was crumpling, not just, you know, soaring into a landing. So we we wanted to kind of get over that to that way to see if we could find that bird. And we were already making our way there anyway, so we were going to check it out. From my vantage point, that bird looked healthy. And, I'll, and the reason I, I kind of do believe that is because so we kept working down there, and there's a little pocket at the tail end that looks super rich for quail. And knowing that, okay, there are quail around this general area, you and Bob, you and Ben went mm-hmm. into that little kind of wooded area, hopefully to kick something out. That didn't happen. But like, as that was going, a big rooster got up right where that one that you're we referencing, yeah. like mm-hmm. kind of went down. So I'm thinking that that bird that just pitched bird. in and it got out before we could get gotcha. to it again. Yeah. So we, we, I did look for quail, looked hard. We foreshadowed quail on last episode's podcast but spoiler alert there weren't any quail today unfortunately <laughs> no no quail but uh still really birdie looking stuff mm-hmm. and just the multi-species aspect of it is is pretty fun because all the different breaks in the habitat could kind of mean something different and like even like the really short grass could mean chickens like it just keeps yeah. you engaged the whole time in terms of sometimes you get so pheasant oriented and you get really good at picking up like 
Okay. See that little break right mm-hmm. there? Who wants to bet we kick one out right there? And we can be right sometimes yeah. when we're calling our shots there. Um, but the other thing, like speaking of like good habitat, man, the birds were out in that field. Yeah. Like, and I don't mess. know what they were, what they were. They weren't like, it's like a combo of like, it looked like a foxtail, but it also looked like a, like a, like almost like, Oh, like what was it? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Does but like, but, know? I don't but know. like my dog, like uh, had like, like these dreads of, of, of burrs on it. And like, even the sticks were still attached to it. So mm-hmm. it's like, he's like running around with like multiple sticks coming off his butt. <laughs> and it's just like, Oh, this is going to be super fun later. <laughs> Baxter's a mess right now. Yeah, Baxter is an absolute Got mess. his hands full. And I, I might just give up. Like I, I just, just get a shave. Just him. shave him. We'll just see what shakes out. Because if I try to pick those off him tonight, we're getting kicked out of this hotel. I, I can guarantee that. Well, um, we're leaving tomorrow. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe tomorrow morning. That could be the alarm for everybody else. Um, no, but so we, we kept uh, them working would have been the, the western edge. And I think that's where you found that super tight hole in Rooster. Yeah, there was a little – we were kind of working the drainage portion of that property and that, that, that edge. And Maisie was out. Uh, kind of made her way back to me. I was actually calling her back because we we had stalled for something. I don't, you know, one of us was adjusting something, so I was calling her back, and she was coming towards me, and she just locks up on point, looking right at me, and, and probably man, only about ten yards in front of me, and I'm looking at her, and at first I was like, maybe it's a soft, you know, soft sort of point, and I'm looking at her eyes, and all of a sudden she did that thing where she didn't move a muscle, but when I kind of asked her, what is it? And her, just her eyes looked up at me. I'm like, oh, there's something here. Then I I go down, I'm kicking it, and there's this tall, you know, tall grass, and you could see where it kind of folded over, and there's this opening in the bottom. And sure enough, I kicked two times, and that rooster came up and knocked it down. Maisie made a retrieve back to hand for me again, and uh, that was that was my third bird of the day. So kind of so you were done hunting pheasants done, you know, before noon, only looking for quail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were running the rest of the way on quail, which. Like you said, we didn't find, but uh, a successful morning on roosters. Yeah, right on. Yeah. So we continue on, pivot again, and I think that's when you get into some action, Andrew. Yeah, so we basically made it back to the initial field we walked across, but we still had to turn again and go further north because we didn't walk that whole line yeah, when we, we, came when we first started. We, we started right at the middle. Um, and what was a pretty cool moment for me just having – listen to Ben speak about his 11-year-old GSP, Annie, in the previous episode. Um, she was out in front of me and just, like, very methodically working. It's pretty fun to watch Annie because at 11, she's not getting anywhere fast, but she still acts different when she's birdie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like it almost becomes like the vacuum where it's, it's not like she's just going somewhere. It's, like, very, like, I am definitely sniffing out this bird. I'm going to do it at my own damn pace. Uh, and so she was off to my right and sure enough, a rooster like got off, like right off her, uh, right off her nose. Um, and sure enough, I was able to drop it and I got that monkey off my back, which felt <laughs> fantastic to, to get a bird in hand, but more so she also made the retrieve. And yeah, so to cool. be able to stand there with Ben and with, with the bird that she found in her mouth <laughs> at, at that age, after going, you know, that many miles, cause we're already five miles in, like in terms yeah. of human miles at that point. Um, it's just a testament to what these dogs will do for you. And definitely they're doing it for themselves too. Like that's not, (laughs) let's not kid ourselves. Like this is what they want to do. Um, but But you could see, I mean, as we were talking with Ben last night, um, recording the podcast, you know, he had 
he there weren't tears dripping down his cheek, but he was close. Well, yeah, it's just, it's, it's the realization. This is this isn't going to happen forever, mm-hmm. and so each one of these is is so incredibly impactful. Yeah. Um. So like that was the what I thought was going to be the last bird of that field, mm-hmm. and what I thought was going to be probably the last bird of the Rooster Road trip. I was like, you know, that's a pretty poetic ending mm-hmm. to, to have the, the old dog just kind of produce it. And the rooster road trip gun going out. Yeah, uh, but it's just it all it all comes new, together. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm just thinking from like a content creator yeah. mind, all all that stuff because there is some of that behind the scenes too. Um, but no, Logan had other ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say Truck had other ideas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, we were kind of the inner pivot uh, the the whole way, and I knew we were getting close to where we had started, so I. I wasn't super optimistic at that point, but I also thought, well, maybe there's a chance, you know, with all these people and dogs, there's a couple birds that got pushed further down in here. And that seemed to be like what, what had happened and Trek got super birdie, broke hard left and, and he was, he was birdie. And I was, I, I didn't want to break away from the group, but I was just like, eh, I, I have follow, to, I'm following follow the, the dog. dog. That's, that's all I could hear in my head was Bob, follow <laughs> the dog. So, uh, I followed him. Um, I, pretty proud moment he trailed that rooster a long ways worked his ass off um you know bird flushes redeemed myself thankfully after a couple of bad misses this morning um you know, was able to put that bird down it was that a was bit a, of a poke that yes. was more than redemption yeah. that, that was, was a nice shot, shot. thank you it, that one felt good how far so, out was that bird it was out there a ways for sure give me yeah. a guess it was out there at least 40, 40. yeah at 40. least 40 and yeah. you put bead right on it yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, that felt good. It's a fun way to end the trip for sure. Yeah, that was that was wonderful. It was a really birdie trip <laughs> all the way around. I, I think it's the most birds that we've put down in in one trip, like in terms of like the whole trip. Um, we've had some pretty epic days, mm-hmm. but in terms of from beginning to end, total birds. I mean, how many roosters were you saying we we're at? I, I think all together, I think we're forty, like forty-ish birds. I mean, that's mm. that's pretty dang good mm-hmm. um especially since spoiler alert we're not hunting the whole day n- most of the time right. because we're either traveling to the next destination or we have to get back to record a podcast or we're oh. finding i mean none of us have been on these spots people yeah either. It's like we, have to, we don't know we how have, to hunt them we have to figure out where we're going to go and chances are that might not work and let's mm-hmm. be picky and go somewhere else so um to to encounter that many birds speaks to kind of like the seasons i think people are in going to be experiencing and by the time you're listening to this probably have experienced mm-hmm. uh, i mean social media is filled with some plump tailgates i'll yeah. tell you that and that that's pretty There's fun birds out there. yep and that's pretty fun to see i love seeing it because all the work that uh you know our state agencies do the feds do our organizations like pheasants forever and quill forever do and it's so great to see, see the payoff every mm-hmm. once in a while um and i know weather plays a lot uh, into you know producing birds and like when you get like that magic combo of things working out in states where maybe it's been rough for a while, like especially like Iowa, it's so great to see that spark burst back into a flame. Yeah, it's right. like everybody just comes out of the woodwork and it's like, we knew you were out there. Like, <laughs> get after it. Yeah, welcome back, my friend. Um, so I just love seeing the energy and the you know, good birds uh, inspire people to want to do more to keep it going. I'm a firm believer that, you know, you can you can harp on the, the loss that takes place in terms of habitat across mm-hmm. the country. And that's, that's no joke. Um, but 
I think psychologically people want to be a part of a winner. People want to like experience it and like have fun doing it. Be like, hell yeah, I want to support this. Hell yeah, I want to make sure this is still around. It's, it's just a lot more tangible. Like you get it. And having success and like seeing, you know, the, the, the Midwest come out and the heartland, if you will, like show out. Um, I'm hoping people recognize the value of supporting conservation groups. And so go join, renew, or extend your membership. Seriously, go to roosterroadtrip.org right now. Do it. You know, hopefully at this point you, you've watched four episodes. You've, this is your fourth podcast. You know what's out there. You know what we have, but don't take it for granted. Seriously. So that's my plea to you. Go to roosterroadtrip.org. Check out all the content. Join, renew, or extend your membership. We'll throw you a browning blackout knife for free. We'll put you automatically in a drawing to take home the Browning Satori 725 feather that I've been carrying around all week. And if you want to do even more, become a life member. We'll throw you a Yeti loadout Go Box 30. Those things are sweet, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll still be automatically entered to win that shotgun. So please just be inspired to get out there first and foremost. That's what matters. Go use the resources. Appreciate it. Fall in love with the uplands. And then realize that you should put some skin in the game. Well said. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go around the horn, have everybody give their highlights as we close this out. Highlights of the day. Because, folks, we will come back with a Rooster Road Trip recap edition of On the Wing podcast next. So we're only going to do highlights of the day with this crew, but we'll we'll recap and do highlights after it marinates a little bit uh, in our minds, and uh, we'll have another episode. Before we go to that, I do want to thank Onyx uh, for being a sponsor of On the Wing podcast. Uh, if you're planning your own rooster road trip, and hunting season lasts a long time yet, you just got to be savvy about picking states. Uh, you can go to Arizona, you can go to uh, Kansas or Nebraska through January. I think Arizona goes through February. Uh, there's lots of places to go. Iowa through June te- or January 10th. Um, go to onyxhunt.com. Use the code PFQF and you can get 20% off your Onyx membership. And Onyx will make a donation back to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's Habitat mission. Uh, one more shout out to Rooster Road Trip sponsors Browning, Federal, Ruffling Kennels, Apple Autos, Sound Gear, Garmin, Yeti, Irish Setter, and Leopold. Please support these companies who support public access and wildlife habitat. All right, around the horn, episode four, the final day of Rooster Road Trip, day two in Nebraska, starting with Logan. What was the highlight for you today? Yeah, we we just kind of talked about it. That final bird um, was a highlight. So my other highlight was just you know that that massive flush of birds. Mm-hmm. That was that was just so darn cool to see. Um, gives me a lot of excitement to get back down here. <laughs> Are you coming back to Nebraska? Uh, absolutely. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> do you have the pins saved on where we hunted today? I do. Yeah, yep. his yep. friends owe him so many beers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Nate, what's your highlight? Yeah, so once again, that last that last bird, you know, ending this trip on on getting my limit over a solid point by Maisie, this year and a half old pup that's really excelling, and getting that retrieve back to hand was was really something special for me. It's been a great trip because of that. Um, I'm gonna break the rules a little bit though. I got one other highlight, mm-hmm. and that's from yesterday, getting my first bobwhite quail over Tika and knocking knocking that 
off our list of quail and, and leaving us just with some of those southwest quail to, to get. So, so which which quail have you not yet hunted? So just the so what do I need? I need uh, the gambles, okay, scaled and uh, Montezuma. So okay, so those three so Arizona or New Mexico or one of those states is in your future. It's yeah yeah it's on 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 the agenda. We got to get there and then. You know, I got this uh, you know, pipe dream a little bit to get all of the North American upland species over Tika, and that leaves those quail and the ptarmigan in Alaska. And uh, so we got a couple trips that we need to plan to see if we can get that That's done. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. Andrew, your your highlight of day four, or episode four. Smacking that bird at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, it was a no doubter. Like, none of this, like dropping a foot waffly mm-hmm. little i hope we find that bird like i've been shooting low this whole tri- whole trip so smacking that thing felt felt really good um but like because i'm here to put some birds in the bag too like let's be real that's why we do this so, like it's we, we can get like poetic here and there and, and i will in a second <laughs> um but like that's dropping dropping birds is what it's about like you know nobody should be uh ashamed to admit that um but now we're gonna go poetic <laughs> A little bit, like, because um, the, the realization or, like, the affirmation or the, the the consciousness of this happening was a thought that went through my head today, which is the last day. Um, and that was being able to watch both uh, Trek and Timber um, just officially get their bird dog cards, like, in this, like, one week, six days of hunting span. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference of those dogs coming out of the kennel um what was it last thursday when we started mm-hmm. yes. to today on on tuesday um it's been super fun to watch mm-hmm. um so just seeing the development of the young dogs like coming into their own and being put into what is a very difficult environment big groups are not fun mm-hmm. in terms of like getting stellar dog work like it's just really tough because well i'm not going to get into that but <laughs> seeing how well they developed how like much they added to the team um and seeing how happy both logan and lexi have been and just like and starting with a little trepidation and like oh i hope i don't mess this up and it's like please like we don't take ourselves seriously you'll be fine (laughs) to at the end like being confident in their dog's ability to find birds and perform well um that's pretty fun Mm -hmm. to watch and then on the opposite end of the spectrum to have annie holding my bird at 11 Mm -hmm. knowing that days are not days but no seasons are numbered um so it's just kind of like a little bit of a changing of the guard yeah um that was that was pretty cool i i didn't hunt next to logan at all I that was by design <laughs> well <laughs> well you know um running labs and or flushers and retrievers we, right. we've been pretty separated baxter's been our buffer yep <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, yeah flushers and pointers i'm sorry um so we've been completely on their other end so i haven't seen track at all but I have watched Timber, and Timber's first field to what Timber's doing now um, is remarkable. You know, the the saying, and I think you maybe said this earlier today, birds, wild birds make a bird dog. Hashtag that, right? Yep. I mean, there's, yep. there is no doubt, and Timber is a quintessential example of it. Timber has gone from, you know, like, kindergarten and can you know we're not gonna say timber's ready for masters but in six days you know timber is in high school Mm -hmm. and that's pretty remarkable 
you know, and wild birds did that for. So it's been pretty fun. Give your pups the opportunity. Let let them live up to their potential. Get out there, folks. Yeah, cool. All right, folks. Um, As I mentioned, we will be back with one more recap edition of On the Wing podcast for a rooster road trip, number 14, Hunting the Heartland. Should we make it a Q&A? Should we we do a Q&A for that last one? You're in charge of this. Let's do it. We'll do a recap and a Q&A. So people out there start thinking. We'll, we'll, We'll ask for some questions. All right. So we'll crowdsource some questions. So line them up. Um, Please, uh, you've heard us implore you to go to roosterroadtrip.org, become a member. It makes a difference for habitat and for access. Thank you for listening. And uh, I'll say it once again, always follow the dog. Something good will rise. Thanks, folks.